Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Home and home. It's always NFL season. It's always football season here on Home and Home. So let's bring in our good friend Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Sam, good to have you on the program. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Um, You heard our poll question there, sir, at RDC Home and Home. Who do you feel worse for this morning? Is it the Jags fan base who looks like their girlfriend just took the toothbrush out and eventually she is leaving them? Or the Red Sox who suddenly feel like they're the have-nots now after being ironically, uh, the model franchise for the last decade. Who are you feeling worse for? Well, I couldn't care less about baseball, so by default, it's the Jacksonville (laughs) fans that I feel most sorry for. All right, so Sam, yeah, Sam, I I like it. Um, I want to get into the Super Bowl, but I want to give you a broad-based question. Tell me something interesting, something that stood out to you about the Super Bowl in general, or maybe a small detail that you're not seeing other people discuss elsewhere? The game itself, um, you know, I, I think it went pretty much as as we expected it to, which is the 49ers defense did a really good job bottling up that Kansas City offense. Um, but ultimately, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid is a play caller and designer. Those guys are too good, and you can keep them tied down for most of the game, but you can't do it for 60 minutes. And eventually that talent, that ability, the, the, the big play skill that they have was just too much. And they, they got a couple of um, big plays towards the end, I guess, in terms of like under, uh, underappreciated, underrated, underheralded performances, you know, Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle for the, the Chiefs has legitimately had one of the best postseasons by any player at any position in NFL history, the guy has pass blocked for like 140 snaps across three games, almost all of which the Chiefs were in obvious passing situations, coming from behind, no huddle, hurry up offense against legitimate pass rushers, and the guy allowed one hurry in all that time. It's it's crazy. You mentioned Andy Reid's play calling down the stretch. Does Andy Reid deserve more credit for this game, or does Kyle Shanahan deserve more blame for his play calling, 20 passes, 10 runs in the second half, blowing a 10-point fourth-quarter lead? Yeah, I, I think Kyle Shanahan does deserve some criticism, but it's not for the second half, in my opinion. I think his criticism should be the first-half stuff, the, the fact that he didn't call a timeout and go for points at the end of the first half. I don't have a big problem with the idea that they were still passing the ball late in the game. And if you look at the passes in particular, they dialed up things that were open. You know, they had George Kittle isolated on Terrell Suggs in the open in, in open space. He was wide open, and Chris Jones gets his hand up, bats it down. You, you basically can't legislate for that. Sometimes it happens, but most of the time it doesn't. Um, you know, you think of the deep shot to Emmanuel Sanders. A, the deep shot was there, but even if he didn't like that, the underneath uh, crossing pattern to, to George Kittle was wide open as well. So multiple routes on the same play 
were wide open on, on that pass attempt as well. I think ultimately they just didn't execute the plays that were there. And I don't have a big problem with the coach playing the numbers and saying, look, in the balance of probabilities, this is the way to win the game. He's just suffered, you know, a bad beat in this game and a bad beat on the 28-3 New England defeat as well. But I think in both situations, he was doing the right thing. Um, for Andy Reid, yeah, I think he's getting the credit he deserves. He's finally being validated in the eyes of many as, you know, this phenomenal head coach that he's been for a couple of decades at this point. Sam, uh, let's get to the specifics as it relates to the Niners offense and Jimmy Garoppolo. It felt like watching the TV copy that Garoppolo actually played pretty well the first 50 minutes. And then as some of the points you mentioned out, some of the plays did not play well at the end. Is that what the tape showed? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Garoppolo wasn't playing badly early in the game. And then just late, they needed him to make a couple of plays, and he missed. He didn't hit the ones that he needed to make late in the game. And that's kind of what we said needed to happen for the 49ers to win because this Chiefs offense is too good. Patrick Mahomes is too talented. They're too explosive. They are going to score points on you, even against a good defense like the 49ers. At some point, you're going to need to be able to match them with your offense. And, you know, if you're not able to come up big in those situations, you're not going to win the game. And, and that's what happened. Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not like he was terrible. He wasn't a disaster. Um, obviously, the, the interception was a terrible play. But he didn't play that badly up until they needed him to get it done, and he wasn't able to. Jimmy Garoppolo, 18-21, first three quarters. Did miss Debo early on in the flat. Missed George Kittle late in this game, which was crucial. And did miss Emmanuel Sanders, who had a couple of steps on a deep ball. A couple of plays really could have changed his fortunes. But here we go with the discussion. On ESPN, several programs discussing if the Niners should trade Jimmy Garoppolo, who was a quarter away from being a Super Bowl MVP. And Steven Ruiz writing on USA Today why the Niners should consider trading Jimmy for a couple of guys, either Cam Newton, we haven't seen healthy in some time, coming off of surgery, or the name you're hearing so much about, Sam, Tom Brady. Could they get rid of Jimmy and there's only $4 million in dead cap number there if they get rid of Jimmy right now and acquire Tom Brady. Sam, who would you rather have right now for the next two years, a 43-year-old Tom Brady or a 28-year-old Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably Jimmy Garoppolo. I think, honestly, they're in a similar space in terms of overall what they can do, but Brady's only heading in one direction. It's not upwards. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at least should. I mean, he's still a young quarterback in terms of playing time and experience. And a lot of what he's done is very good. So there's no reason he can't get better. And I think he will need to get better because the, the situation in that 49ers team is unlikely to be as good next year as it was this year. A lot of things aligned for them this year in terms of the defense, in terms of the run game. Everything sort of came together, even acquiring guys like Emmanuel Sanders. It's just unlikely to be as strong a team next year as it was this year. So he's going to have to be better. Um, but critically, that means that Tom Brady is not going to be stepping in to a situation as good as it was this season. You know, Tom Brady now needs some help around him to be the kind of player that he needs to be. But you would be trading for him on the basis of what he's done in the past and what you hope he can still get back towards being. But that's a big risk. 
I think the 49ers would have no trouble whatsoever in getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo if they wanted to, because as you say, just 4 million dead cap hit. If they do get rid of him, he's on a very team friendly deal. Now that they've paid off all the kind of guaranteed money, a lot of teams would want him and would happily trade for him. For the 49ers, the big question is, what are you going to replace him with? And if your two options are Cam Newton and Tom Brady, it just doesn't seem worth uh, getting rid of until you have a better option. Sam, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Brady and the Raiders, Brady and the Chargers. My question is, who would be a better quarterback for those teams in 2020? Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers or Tom Brady or Derek Carr, based on what we saw in 2019? I think Brady and Rivers have a lot of the same issues. You know, they're both uh, declining. They're both aging quarterbacks. They both need some help. And the Chargers, their problem is they have never been able to put a good offensive line in front of Phillip Rivers. He's been dealing with bad pass protection for basically the entirety of his NFL career, and he's no longer able to to cope with it. He needs a little bit of protection, and I just don't see them ever putting it in front of him. Brady's got the same issue. He has had some good offensive lines in New England, but he's now reached the point where he needs it more than he ever has before. And if the Chargers aren't going to supply it for him, I just think it's a bad spot for either of those two guys. Derek Carr, I think you could make a very good argument that Tom Brady makes a better job of the Oakland offense than Derek Carr would next season, given all things being equal. The team that I think isn't being talked about enough for those those two quarterbacks, Rivers and Brady, in terms of free agency, is Chicago. You know, They have all the pieces in place. They've got an offensive line that's pretty good. They've got a lot of receiving weapons that they've surrounded Mitchell Trubisky with. And they've got Trubisky, who is is clearly not the answer. They're kind of stuck with him for at least another year just because they invested so much in him. And there aren't really other options for them in terms of the draft because, you know, they, they went so hard after Trubisky. But bringing in a guy like Brady could potentially give them the quarterback that can take advantage of all those pieces and actually win. Interesting. I hadn't really thought much about Brady to Chicago, and you don't hear much about Brady going to Chicago. Talking to Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Got to check them out. PFF.com, the best college and pro football analysis anywhere out there. Um, Where do you think Tom Brady, realistically, given all the factors, the money, the weapons, is next season? Yeah, I mean, I think the Las Vegas thing does make a lot of sense for all parties. Um, I, I think that's the one where when you're starting to try and you know analyze all the things that need to fall in place for, that, for him to make a move, that does make some sense. Everything, Every other team seems to have at least a major roadblock in terms of making that move happen. I think the Chargers makes a lot of sense for everybody, but that offensive line, I think, is a problem. And if he's you know, analyzing the situation he's going to be going into, if I were Tom Brady, I would not want to be going to a team that has that kind of history of uh, putting together an offensive line that's going to be protecting me. I think it's either a team like the Raiders or you know, he goes back to New England. I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that they do not have a decent succession plan yet, and they kind of need to keep him around. Sam, we touched on it a little bit, but I want to talk about the Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes. It felt like he was the exact opposite of Jimmy G. It felt like for the first 50 minutes, it was maybe Mahomes' worst game ever. 
and then he turned it on. Is that what the coaching tape showed? Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think it was a credit to the 49ers defense that definitely had Mahomes out of sorts. It had him looking just a little bit off in that game. They were getting pressure. And, you know, it felt different to the previous two playoff games where the Chiefs got down. And when they did before, they were almost happy. They were in their element. This was their comfort zone. They could forget about, you know, playing the kind of offense that everybody else plays and just go to their no hurry, hurry up offense where they just put up points at will through the air. But the 49ers defense is a different animal to those other teams. They were able to get pressure on Mahomes consistently and they were getting pressure. Those guys were hunting in packs. So Mahomes wasn't just thinking about one guy coming. If he got rid of the first guy, two more were coming at him as well. So he was under real duress. And, you know, it, it started to affect him. So even when he was working from a clean pocket, he was missing throws. His accuracy was off in a way we don't usually see from him. You think of, you know, leaving the ball behind Tyreek Hill, who was the underthrow to Tyreek Hill, the play before the, the third and 15 play that changed everything. He was just missing throws that he doesn't normally make. But the guy is so talented that, you know, third and 15 comes up. This is basically the game on the line. He takes an absurd deep drop and, and makes a play happen, knowing that it was do or die. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, with his QB questions around the league. None bigger, with the exception of Brady, than Dak Prescott down in Dallas. Given the play we saw last season, career high in yardage by more than 1,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, also comfortably a career high, is the best move for Dallas, in your estimation, a franchise tag, a long-term deal, or option three? Yeah, I, I think you have to decide right away whether you think he is a long-term commitment. I think the franchise tag just puts the thing off for everybody. It seems like a waste of time. The worst thing you could possibly do is do what the Redskins did with Kirk Cousins, which is just buy a sequence of franchise tags while you decide if he's worth paying big money. What they essentially did is pay the guy $84 million while deciding they didn't want to commit $84 million to him over the course of a few years. That's, that's just dumb. It just doesn't work for anybody. The Cowboys need to decide right now whether they've seen enough from Dak Prescott to commit a, a big money long-term contract or if they want to blow the whole thing up and start over. Um, you know, they're, they're hurt a little bit by the fact that they commit so much money already to a running back in Zeke Elliott. And now they've got Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, Byron Jones. They've got a lot of key pieces that need paying. But, you know, you've got the evidence right now of Dak Prescott. I think his play has said that he deserves a long-term decent money contract but I think you also have to be aware that he's unlikely to ever become you know a top five NFL quarterback you're going to be paying him big money knowing that his ceiling is somewhere in that kind of five to ten range and and knowing that you have to therefore build around him interesting so sign him to a long-term deal or cut the cord and move on great analysis as always Sam Monson pro football focus it's pff.com please check them out the best information out there on analysis, college, and pro football. A lot of draft talk to get into ahead, sir. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. 
home and home. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.